0: Welcome to The Conversation at aircF.com. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis. This is show number 72, an interview with a passenger on a Qantas A330 accident flight of 7 October 2008. The show features an interview with Kison Ing, Ng, a passenger on a Qantas A330 aircraft that experienced a violent in-flight upset during a flight from Singapore to Perth on 7 October 2008. About 75 passengers and crew members were injured during this event, With 14 hospitalized with serious injuries such as fractures and lacerations. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau, or ATSB, is currently investigating this event, and because of the extent of the injuries on board, the ATSB has classified it as an accident. In a media briefing three days after the accident, the ATSB reported that the Qantas A330-300 aircraft was in level flight at 37,000 feet When the pilots received messages from their aircraft's monitoring system indicating some kind of control system problem. The aircraft reportedly had an uncommanded climb of about 200 feet, followed by a return back to 37,000 feet. About a minute after returning to cruising altitude, the aircraft abruptly pitched nose down to a maximum angle of about 8.4 degrees and descended about 650 feet in about 20 seconds before returning to cruising level. About 70 seconds later, there was a further nose-down pitch to a maximum pitch angle of about 3.5 degrees, and the aircraft descended about 400 feet in about 16 seconds. During the first pitch-down event, a number of passengers and crew members were thrown about the cabin, resulting in a range of injuries. The crew declared an emergency and diverted to Learmonth, landing about 40 minutes after the start of the event. What follows is an interview I had three days after the event with passenger Kee-Sin who provides additional details about the in-flight trauma. Uh, tell just tell the story in your own words of the flight you took and what happened.
1: Well, it basically, you know, uh, happened uh, about 12:45, coming to one o'clock, all of a uh, sudden, you know, the, the aircraft just uh, make a, a forward dive, nose dive, right. And everybody was uh, sort of caught by surprise, and many passengers without seat belt fastened would uh, basically, you know, uh, I wouldn't say throw out, uh, was uh, sort of uh, lifted forward uh, lifted upwards to hit the ceiling. And everything, you know, bottle, cups, everything, you know, that was, that were loo- loose. Went up and hit the ceiling. What seat were you sitting in? Well, I was twenty-seven J, very much uh, next to it's uh, next to the R on the right-hand side of the cabin, just in front of the wing. So even in that part of the plane, it was
0: fairly violent. There was a lot of movement going on.
1: Yeah, you know, everybody went up, you know, except those with seatbelt on. So it was uh, quite a dramatic experience for all, I guess.
0: Let me um, uh, take you back for a moment. Uh, The media reports we were seeing here in the States from the Sydney Morning Herald and some of the other reports, and from Qantas, seem to indicate that most of the injuries, most of the very dramatic things were happening in the very back of the plane. But you're saying there was stuff going on even where you were in front of the wings.
1: Yeah. I think the whole plane... You know, the, uh, when it started to sort of nosedive, I, I guess it's about 45 degrees nosedive mm-hmm. or 60-degree nosedive. You know, the, it, uh, it was kind of uh, shocking to all because I think nobody can even think. It just, you know, hit the roof. Did you have
0: any sens- sensation of the plane rising before it made the sudden drop or... You just felt... No, bad.
1: it just straight straight uh, dropped and uh, went down straight away. You know, it, no warning whatsoever.
0: Was this during meal service or during the movie or what, what was happening in the cabin? No,
1: this was... Uh, this The plane uh, scheduled for departure at 9 a.m. Singapore time, mm-hmm. which is the same time as Perth. Right. And right. Uh, I think it took off uh, maybe 9.20 or 9.30 so the it almost coming to four hours in our know, journey. Alright? And uh, the meal was served was served about one hour after it took off. Mm-hmm. So it was the final part of the journey. The normal time required to reach Perth from Singapore is about four and a half to five hours, very most, depends on the the weather. So I was quite surprised that you know the coming, you know the almost three and a half to four hours we were still very much at uh, the vicinity of Exmouth.
0: which is about eleven 1, hundred kilometers north of Perth.
1: Yeah, okay, eleven or fourteen hundred uh, kilometers uh, from Perth, all right? And uh, also has got an airstrip. That airstrip used to be the second largest airstrip in southern hemisphere hmm. Right. so we were in a way lucky because uh, you know although that airport or airstrip were very primitive uh in terms of infrastructure but it was one of the largest in the old days so the in a way we were lucky we were the, uh, close to limo airport and the pilot decided to make that emergency made the landing.
0: So, let's, let's go back in time a bit. Right after the airplane pitched down, right after things started flying, in your immediate vicinity, were there people who
1: were injured? Oh, plenty. Uh, but I guess afterwards, I realized that, you know, our, our compartment, which is uh, straight after business class, mm-hmm. you know, had less injuries, Right. The real side of the cabin had more injuries. The guy in front of me diagonally, you know, went up and came down. He couldn't stand up and I apparently he fractured or the fractured his knee or had a hairline crack or so or right. what whatever, you know. And uh his wife and infant son or daughter also went up. Right? And uh, the irony was uh after everybody realized what was going on, his wife was looking for the baby. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because you know, it was uh things was everywhere because cups, paper, pillow, everything was all over the place was in a mess. Just imagine everything went up, you know. Red wine splashed on the 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 window and um Everything, you know, if you have a cup of uh, coke or whatever, it will be, you know, the splash upwards.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: I, I, I have to ask, what happened with the uh, baby? Where did they find the baby? Well, I do not know where she found her baby, but she managed to sort of, you know, to locate, uh, or locate him. And um, apparently the baby was all right. And uh, most of the people... Had knocks on the head. Mm-hmm. Right, the woman the, behind me, you know, uh, hit the the roof, and the roof was sort of dented. The plastic piece dented. Imagine the reading lights and the 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 ventilation uh, outlets. Right, those area, you know, the so diagonally above her head, she went up, hit the head, and came down, and some were even went higher right above the uh luggage compartment mm-hmm. so hit the ceiling and come come down as you can see from the video if you have seen the video that I took. yes i have i have right the whole panel sort of uh sunk in or broken right and a few roll back you know the oxygen mask fell off so the that was the first uh, first uh incident so Fortunately, straight after that, you know, everybody got back to the seat, buckled the seatbelt, and uh, that is where the second nosedive happens. So it went down, you know, and that second nosedive lasted longer. Couldn't remember how long it was, but the uh, second one was uh, kind of uh, more scary because the first one, it was shock to everybody, right. but you he didn't, he didn't think. You didn't have the time to think the second one you are ready you know and uh, the nose dive took place so it was it was screaming everywhere right baby crying women screaming and uh you know and uh i think i would praise the the pilot and co-pilot i think he they, they did a wonderful job to regain control i think they must put it into manual pilot mode and uh, put the plane uh, back in the control. And uh, I think a few minutes after that, the, the pilot made the announcement to say that, you know, the, the plane was going down to the land at Lehman and it will be 10 minutes <laughs> before the, we land on the ground. But it actually took, you know, more than that, it took at least half an hour to 40 minutes mm-hmm. right? To, to land.
0: Now, let's back up a little bit to the immediately after the second dive. Uh, the uh, first dive, as you said, was out of the blue, unexpected, shocking, and <laughs> no one was really responding. The second mm-hmm. dive was a little bit more frightening. After mm-hmm. the second dive, how did the passengers and cabin crew
1: react? Well, I think during the second dive, everybody was on the seats. Uh, so during the dive, everybody was just seated. So you know, it's only it's only you know the emotional and commotions that you know the, took place. So the, nobody is moving around. Of course, I think right. you know the the cabin crews were all in their in their jump seats, right? right? And I can only see you know my cabin. I right. do not know uh, what happened uh, behind you know the cabin behind me. During right? the
0: first or the second dive, were there any commands shouted by the cabin attendants at all? Or was everyone acting instinctively?
1: Well, the, everybody seems to be you know, the, uh, instinctively going back to the seat and tighten the seat belt, and the, uh, the crew immediately come on to, to make the announcement to fasten the seat belt. And, uh, so everybody, you know, the back to the seat, you know, sit tight with the seatbelt so much so that I think during the second dive, there were little or no injury. As far as uh, my cabin is -hmm. concerned, I see no injury during the second dive. It's only the sensations and and the commotions.
0: Now, had you ever been in an airplane, even a, uh, a private aircraft or military aircraft that was going through the kinds of radical maneuvers that this airplane went through.
1: Uh, I would say no, because uh, I have been traveling fifteen more than fifteen years, and uh, almost once every quarter to to United States. You know, the, when I was working for a U.S. Uh, company, and uh, the the worst uh, scary experience was the windshield effect in Colorado Spring and Denver. Mm-hmm. Alright. That was on a smaller aircraft, you know, just before the landing. You know, the pilot has to sort of abort the takeoff and pull the plane uh up right in order to avoid that or in order to fight that windshield, you know, the next to Cor- Colorado Mountain. And, you know, I had it twice in on the same same trip, you know, because I don't know, uh, but that was a scary part, and uh, there was nothing compared to what we had, you know, on the seventh uh, or Tuesday this this week. At any time, did you have any
0: uh, real fear that the aircraft wouldn't uh, structurally uh, well, wouldn't make it to, to land safely, or did it seem to be fairly much in control the whole time?
1: I had the feeling that it structurally it was sound because. Mm-hmm. I I can tell and I can see, and I felt uh, fairly comfortable because, you know, I had been, you know, traveling uh, over the Pacific Ocean many, many times, Mm -hmm. and air pockets, uh, bumps along the way, you know, many times, but I had never gone through that experience, you know, that drastic experience uh, this week. right but structurally the plane was very sound okay uh and uh before the plane was landed we can feel that the pilot actually tested the plane before he descend down to certain level he basically maneuver left maneuver right, right make a circle uh and then we heard the landing wheel you know came off to into positions okay so, I basically felt uh, very comfortable, you know, t- uh, during the landing, right? And in mm-hmm. fact, I was thinking that it might be better for us to sort of land, go forward and land in Perth rather than do an emergency landing. Right. Right? Uh, because, you know, the experience, the 13 hours experience in Lima was not very... Are uh, uh, interesting because we are just waiting and waiting and waiting, and then we feel tired. You know more than anything else. All this was right? a small and
0: airport without a lot of services like restaurants or anything like that.
1: There was a restaurant, but you know because of bureaucracy, you know the police wouldn't allow us to go. Just you know the the there's three there there are three departure and arrival hall, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about size each one is about size of uh, a bas- basketball court mm-hmm. or smaller, okay? And in between, you know, there are two doors so that you can go go through. At one corner, there was one canteen, but they wouldn't allow us to go over down there because, you know, I said, I want to buy some ice cream. I didn't take the, you know, lunch. I want to, I'm hungry. The police just wouldn't allow. They tr- treated us as, as though we are... Refugee from alien countries.
0: <laughs> so uh, just for the audience here, this was an international flight from Singapore to uh, scheduled to go from Singapore to Perth. And normally Correct. you'd have to go through customs as you go into Perth. So do you think that uh, this was because they had uh, those issues to deal with or was this uh, just the police weren't used to dealing with this kind of crowd?
1: The police is very kind. And in fact, they are very polite, very kind. But, you know, my... My my observation is that they are very much you know the, doing their job. Right. So you know there is a boundary for us, and I we can't even uh, go beyond the boundary. Mm-hmm. Uh, take for example, the cellular signal was very poor. Mm-hmm. All right. The first thing you want to do is uh, you want to pick up your phone, to call your loved ones, inform them what's going on, you are safe and all that. But the signal was so poor. Out of the three three network. Only one is available, that's Telstra's NextG, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other two, you completely don't have uh, the, the coverage, you know, it's the cellular coverage. So the, even the, the, the one that you can get, you know, there are, are certain spot, all right, limited spot that you're going to move around in order to get one bar of signal. So the police, you know, when I asked, can I go out to the field to get a better, you know, cellular coverage? Say said no. <laughs> so, but that's okay. You know, we managed, I managed to find, you know, the, the right spot to send out right. two, two messages, right? But the biggest challenge for us was our inability to convince the custom people to sort of shorten the wait for us. Mm -hmm. Qantas, the first thing, you know, we received was from the captain or from somebody from Qantas to say that, you know, they are sending two more uh, planes to take us from Lehman to Perth and you will be arriving 10 minutes past past 2. But the two planes did not arrive uh, until perhaps 3 o'clock in the afternoon. All right. So... You know, well, we are still okay. The injured were lying around. And uh, I think there were a few smaller planes arrived. The flying doctor service arrived. But the first to arrive was uh, the ninth police uh, officer from a nearby town. And uh, uh, I think there were private jets arrived. I'm not sure, you know, uh, whether they are... You know, the Sky West or the what other private jets. But the the two aircraft, you know, from Qantas Link came in, in almost like four o'clock or something, I'm not too sure. Right? But certainly after three o'clock. Right? So we were we were under the impression that we can go back, you know, the to, to board the new plane that they they had sent in and can get back to Perth. Mm-hmm. But it turned out that you know the, the the bureaucracy is such that we have to go through the custom because right. this was this lima was the first port of landing. So imagine three hundred people going through two tables, ah. to queue up, and it took about three hours. I counted that three hours to have everybody queued up, you know, and go through the desk. And what they had was just take our passport. <laughs> register our name, and then, you know, proceed on to the aircraft. By the time it took off, was about 10.30 in, in the night. And meanwhile, all of your
0: checked baggage was still on the accident aircraft?
1: Up to now, I still have not received my checked baggage.
0: <laughs> and this is uh, three days after the event?
1: Yeah, because I think, you know, the, I received a call from Qantas this morning to say that the... Uh, you know, uh, had difficulty because uh, in Limon Airport, uh, they don't have the you know the uh, equipments uh, to unload, right? The the airport actually was a military airbase, co-share yeah. with the uh, commercial airline, so it's pretty primitive. So uh,
0: let's let's get back to um, the flight itself for a minute. After you, you landed they took off, obviously, the most injured people, and some of them they took away to Exmouth immediately, or were they all there at the airport until they were evacuated?
1: I, I saw an ambulance came in, alright, and, uh, and the doctor sort of treated the injured people. Most of the injured people, the, they were not so serious, were still were, were in the hall mm-hmm. waiting, and they may have uh, transported the ambulance may have transported the seriously injured person out, but I, I wasn't sure. What I know is everyone, uh, whether injured or not injured, uh, eventually boarded the plane mm-hmm. and come back to Perth together with the air crew and pilot.
0: And uh, just backing up a little bit, was the plane completely full or was it mostly full? Or
1: it was very full. It was uh, at least above 90% because uh, from the capacity of Airbus 330, you know, you can calculate uh, the seats, Mm -hmm. all right? In the Qantas website, you got a number. I -hmm. think they said there were 131 Australians, 53 British, 40 Indians, 38 Singaporeans.
0: At what point did Qantas representatives show up at the airport?
1: Well, the, the captain straight away come down to, to give us some to, uh, briefing, all right? So, uh, I guess, you know, that was uh, within, within, within half an hour or an hour after we, we get into uh, Lehman Airport. So, the uh, Qantas people are very efficient. In fact, you know, I was very impressed by the fact that even the crew, uh, the, the, the stewardess or steward. Had the same fall, they visibly, you know, were injured. Some face were blue black, you know, arm, you know, the were hit, head were hit. Mm-hmm. They continue to work and uh, help out the uh, passenger that were uh, seriously injured. So they are very professional and uh, they 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 re- react to the situation very well. The passengers. So big a crowd behaved very, very nicely. cooperate very well with the, you know, the the, the crew, crew member. Only wish that the wait in Limau could have been the shorter. The waiting time was far too long because of the coordinations for the paperwork to be done there. Mm-hmm. And... If I were to take this opportunity to make the suggestions, I think they should prepare for the future to sort of appoint a person to take charge overall, all right? The person should have the authority to sort of uh, make exceptions to operate in the interest and safety of all the passengers. Because imagine the 13 hours wait it's a long wait for those people who were injured, you know, whether they injured minor injury or seriously injured, right? Even I wasn't injured, I felt very, very tired for that long wait in that airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they can make some exceptions, because, you know, I didn't tell you this earlier. I talked to the Qantas uh, officer in charge. He was the one flew in, especially, you know, the, to take charge of the situation. He came together with that two planes. And in fact, I went to him. I make the suggestion. I say, look, you know, this queuing up for paperwork with the custom takes too long. For 300 people, you will take three hours at least. Can we sort of shorten the queue all right, and go straight for the processing of the, the paperwork and, and the travel document to be done in Perth? And he went, but went went over down there to talk to whoever, and came back and said, no, you know, must be done, you know, to, according to the certain authority. So it sent. I sense that you know the Qantas people, you know, the, are ready to take off or uh, to load in the passengers and take off, but you know everybody has to wait, you know, for the paperwork to be done. So you know, the this is this is very much you know, interagency issue in the, in the crisis situations, all right? I've seen that, all right, uh, in Singapore, all right? Uh, this was one of the lessons came out in the newspaper on one of the disasters. There was this collapse of New World Hotel, whereby mm-hmm. everybody came in, all the agency came in, but the coordination between agency, you know, what's the problem? So I see that, I saw that happened in Limao. So the, maybe, you know, the, uh, moving forward, if there is an emergency situation like this, you know, somebody with authority should be empowered to sort of make exception or, you know, make decision on the ground in order to sort of take care of the, the, the people involved down there.
0: That's an excellent point, one I agree with totally. And I think this is a good place to end this interview. I'd like to thank Mr. Ng for being with us here today, and I hope we get a chance to talk in the future.
1: Okay, thank you, Thuy.
0: You've just heard airsafe.com's interview with Mr. Keeson Ng, a passenger who was on the Qantas Airbus A330 aircraft that had the in-flight upset on the 7th of October 2008. Additional information about this event, including updates or findings from the investigation, will be available at Qantas.airsafe.org. Thanks for listening.